0: Probably, besides the gift of life, the greatest gift my mother gave me was the the gift of faith. And uh, like any Italian mother, she told me what I would believe and wouldn't (laughs) until the day she died. And one of the things she taught me was uh, to have a love for the divine mercy, the divine mercy of Jesus, and the devotion. And we we have a a small strain of of, uh, Polish in our family as well, and so... Um, as those of you who are familiar with the devotion know that it emanates from the revelations given to uh, Saint Faustina Kowalska, a Polish nun. and um, it's it's really m- my favorite devotion uh, that there is. So John Paul II, Polish himself, influenced by Saint Saint uh, Faustina and um, and you know wrote a lot about the Lord's mercy, and ultimately made the second Sunday of Easter Divine Mercy Sunday, which was not so much meant to um, enhance just the devotion, you know, saying the chaplet of divine mercy. It was really about expanding for the entire universal church that we all should be celebrating God's mercy. We should all be reflecting on on how much mercy we've received. He wanted to make sure that... that Mercy was such a focus of the church, and it's so important, you know, um, gosh, there, there's so, in so many ways our culture has become unmerciful. Um, now maybe this happens, I don't know. I, mean, I imagine we can go back historically and see it, but um, I don't think it's hard to see. I, I think you might agree with me that that the exchanges we often get ourselves into or even even witness. Um, within our culture are pretty unmerciful, pretty harsh with one another. And um, one of the things that, uh, that I really, really love about you is uh, how kind you are. And you might say, well, Father, is this not typical? No, it's not. Not in my experience. Not like you. There's something really special about you you might say, well, it's probably just you. You're just really nice. No, no well, maybe, but, you know, sometimes. But, uh, no, you really have a charism for kindness and charity, and I, I just always want to, I never want you to forget that, so we keep doing it, but, you know, it's also important to look at that and say, well, is this is good. This is a good thing, you know, about our community. So we go a little bit deeper into, then, the scriptural understanding of this mercy, the, the disciples had all abandoned the Lord right upon his death, except for John. John was there, but none of them remained to even bury him. And so they're, in one sense, rightfully afraid of the Jews. Now, when John talks about the Jews, he doesn't mean all the Jews. He means kind of the Jewish leaders who were behind crucifying the Lord. He's, he's talking about the, the authorities uh, who conspired. So they're afraid. They're next which is a fairly, you know, a rational conclusion to make. They went after their, their leader. They might come after them. And actually, historically, they did. They did. The, the, and this is one of the, the ways in which Judaism and Christianity really began to separate is because, uh, you know, um, one of the things that was going on at the time was uh, the Jews really didn't want anything to do with these new followers of Christ, and they persecuted them rather heavily. So anyway, they're locked up in this upper room. They're afraid. They don't know what's going to happen. They've, they've heard Jesus, obviously, his body, you know, the tomb was open. His body's not there. Uh, Mary Magdalene told them that she saw him. And, you know, there's all these reports. They're afraid. They're afraid for their safety, but they're also afraid of Jesus. And, and I think we know why. And it goes back to the garden. You know, Adam and Eve sinned. And one of the first things we hear about Adam and Eve is that they hid from God. They never hid from God before, but then they hid from God. And we all know this this feeling. You know, we uh, we sin against God, and then we stop praying. Well, God doesn't want to hear from me. Or we're embarrassed, you know, or maybe we don't go to church for a while. or And then that just sort of snowballs. How do I go back? You know, so... Th- that, that feeling of perhaps inadequacy, fear of God, um, not a good fear of God, but fear of judgment or some sort of you know, negativity that might come from him. And this is, this is what the, then the apostles are experiencing. So we're told the doors are locked. Jesus, again, he's resurrected. So in the, all of these post-resurrection accounts, there's something uh, very different about him, but very much the same. And one of the things that happens over and over again about, about these accounts is that he, he clearly is transcending now you know, time and space. And so he comes through the doors, there, even though they're locked. And he's not a ghost uh, because he has some kind of corporeal you know, reality. He comes through the doors and he says immediately, peace be with you. Again, they're afraid, they're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they're, they're fearful. And the first thing he says to them is be at peace. And you know, this, this word um, that he uses is more than just peace be with you. I mean, it's really meant to convey um, a healing of relationship. Be at peace. You know, we're all good as it were. we're good, you know. Everything's okay. Be at peace. And then he breathes on them, which always sounds odd, you know, like you want somebody breathing on you. But when God breathes on you, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit that exists, the breath of love that exists between the Father and the Son, the breath of God is the Holy Spirit. And so he conveys the Holy Spirit upon them and says i now give you i commission you to go and forgive sins in my name the ministry of reconciliation and mercy so anyway they, they he leaves at some point i guess and uh, thomas wasn't there and you can imagine their joy and excitement upon seeing the lord and you know he feels left out on one hand we do we do know the story about the doubting thomas thing and that seems to be accurate but Also, you know, he was left out. You can imagine him coming back and said, couldn't you have stalled? Give him a sandwich or something? Like, he just left, you know? Wait for Thomas to come back. I was on my way, you know? Um, He, no doubt, he, just like us, would have wanted to experience the risen Lord as well and makes that declaration. So a week later, Jesus comes back, and they're still locked in the room, It's kind of interesting. He already told them, go, go. They're still locked in the room. So he does it again. Peace be with you. Right? Sometimes it takes a while to hear that it's okay. God is not there to punish them. And God is not out to get us or to punish us. Sometimes we have to hear that a few times. And so they hear it again, peace. And then he says, okay, Thomas, Hands inside, here they are. So Jesus, post resurrection, um, often we we get this image. He shows his hands and his side for all of eternity. God is marked with the wounds of the cross. Right? Jesus has united himself. God has united himself to man. Jesus has united himself to humanity. So the divine nature and the human nature for all of eternity now are united in Christ even in heaven, and thus his marks remain, which tells us something about how serious sin and evil is, that it can mark God for eternity. But in an even greater way, it tells us something so glorious about God and how much he loves us, that he will bear those wounds for us for all of eternity. So two points that I would like to uh, convey f- uh, to you today. Um, the first is this. Sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. Right? And the, the apostles had to do, they didn't know what to do next, and he hadn't told them. So they're, they're locked in the upper room, and we can, we can think about all kinds of reasons why, and, and some may be more valuable than others, or valid than others, but uh, he hadn't really told them what to do. And so they're waiting, waiting for what the Lord wants them to do next. And this, is, uh, this might represent for us discernment. There are many times in life we don't know what to do. And the more serious the, the matter or the issue, when we don't know what to do, we should refrain from acting until we do. If it's a minor thing, you know. But if it's, if it's a big thing, then it's, it's right and fitting to wait on the Lord and to trust. Those of you who have had the experience might say, well, why does he often take so long? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I know he does. It's been four years I've been with you. It took four years. I've loved you since, since I met you, and I've wanted to be your pastor since I met you. It took how long it took. Um, and this is a happy thing, you know, but there's, there's obviously much more weighty things that happen to us that we're, we're trying to discern and figure out, and it's okay to wait on the Lord. And that's, that is a, a, a valid disposition to have, to be patient and to trust. God will act, and he will speak. And sometimes it's, you know, what we hear in that second reading about testing us, taking time, because we know that time will reveal a lot of things, and so he'll test us to get us to grow. So that's the first thing I'd like to convey. The second thing is um, it took the apostles to have an experience of the risen Lord to be empowered to go out. So, you know, the, the the goal for them was not to merely have had the experience of Jesus and then to li- go back to fishing, although we'll see that happen. They'll go back. But the point was they would have that experience of Christ so that they would go out in mission, right, to, for, to fulfill the mission that the Lord had given them. So we need a... Re- a relationship with Christ that is an experience of this resurrected Christ. And sometimes we live Good Friday so much that we do wonder if Easter ever comes. And so I just invite you then to dispose your heart, have an openness to God, even just maybe this week. Folk, let's let's maybe make that a focus. Lord, I desire to have an experience of your resurrection in my life. I need that experience. Sometimes God wants us to ask for what we need. And this is something we need. And so if it's particularly if it's something you haven't experienced for a while, make that your prayer, my suggestion, make that your prayer this week. Lord, I want to experience your resurrection in my life. I want to experience that spirit that you gave the apostles. I I want to experience that indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that joy and goodness. I welcome your arrival. And then we just have to wait for him to show up. Please stand.